send out one question that came in. Very good question. Uh, I have several verses. It's a simple answer, but I have several verses that we're going to hit. I am going to hit them rather quickly, so I'm going to ask you to take notes, uh, if you will. Uh, just jot the, the verses down, and uh, we'll address this subject here. Very t- uh, probably, a, I would say, a, a very um, uh, sensitive subject, maybe in our culture today. Uh, but you guys know me well enough that I don't care about culture. I care about Christ, and so we're going to address it in that manner. And so the question is, as, as Christians, we're instructed not to drink fermented products, meaning alcohol. But what is the difference between fermented drink and fermented food, such as cheese, yogurt, and some medicines, including fermented uh, honey garlic? Are we, supposed, are we supposed to avoid all fermentations or only those that have changing effects like alcohol? Okay, very simple answer uh, to come off of that. We are to avoid uh, fermented items, uh, which will alter our state of mind, okay? Uh, alcohol, illicit drugs, and yes, even certain medications. Guys, if you can't function well with medications, if they're doing you more harm than good, stop taking them. It's, it's, it is that simple. I don't care, trust the science, I don't care this and that. I mean, we've seen people go and get four and five and six, seven of these jabs, and they're, they're dying left and right. My goodness, man, you know, when are you going to put two and two together and say, okay, I think we're going to stop doing that. You, you understand what I'm saying? So <clears throat> even when it does come to, to certain medications, um, penicillin was, was one of the greatest discoveries ever, okay? And yet there's people who have a severe allergic reaction to penicillin. You can't take it, okay? If it's going to do you more harm than good, then you don't take it. That's the same idea in principle necessarily when it comes to illicit drugs or when it comes to alcohol, even though the fermentation process is used to produce alcohol. So, but with that said, let me say this too. If coffee has a negative effect on you, if you can't act right and drink coffee, stop drinking coffee. I mean, guys, I I know that may sound a little bit like excessive, but if you act a fool when you drink coffee, you need to stop drinking coffee, okay? And, um, and that's what it is. The coffee is a stimulant, whereas alcohol is a depressant. Um, there is nothing good on the face of this planet that has ever happened with alcohol. Not one good thing. I don't care if it's one drink a year. To be social, don't give me that. that to, to me, that's a garbage excuse for you to take a drink once a year. And it's lame, okay? You're going to stand before Jesus Christ. You're going to give an answer to him. Well, I, I wanted to be social with my friends. What you wanted to do is make an excuse to drink that liquor, drink that drink, drink that devil's brew. So that's what you wanted to do. And what you did was you justified everything they've said about you and your so-called Christianity. All right? I know that's harsh, but it, this is a very sensitive subject to me because I hate alcohol. I hate everything to do with it. I can't stand it. I cannot stand to be around a drunk. I do not like alcohol. So it's a simple answer. We're to avoid things that alter our state of mind. Now, where do we get it into the, where do we come with the the Bible verses for this? What is altering our state of mind? You know, the opposite of drunk is sober, right? And that word is in the Bible quite a few times. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6 and 8, which neither one of these verses are relating to alcohol directly, But the Bible says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Okay. 
Second Timothy, I'm sorry, uh, 1 Timothy in chapter um, 3, verses 2 and 11. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. And then verse 11 says, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers. We could park there for about a couple of Sundays. That would disqualify a lot of them. Sober, faithful in all things. Sober. The husband and the wife need to be sober-minded. Titus chapter 2, verse 6. That's not, I didn't put that up there for some reason. Uh, we'll get to 1 Peter in just a moment. Uh, but young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. But ye therefore, uh, so be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And then the one that we probably know the most is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may devour. If someone is walking around your estate tonight and they're looking to whom they may break into your car, what's the first thing are they going to check? The ones that are unlocked. The ones that they can get into easily, right? Rather than breaking a window, causing an alarm and a noise and all this and that. So if you're not sober, you can't be vigilant. If you can't be vigilant, you're not alert enough to be, to be on the lookout for the adversary, the devil, our adversary, the devil, who will take you captive at his will. Do you understand? Now, all of these verses here are not pertaining. They're not speaking about alcohol. Because you, be, you can be a non-alcoholic, a non not drink a lick of, uh, of alcohol a day in your life and still not be sober-minded. I know many guys, many guys even in the pulpit today, they're not sober-minded. All right? The word sober means calm and collected. Uh, in spirit is what it means. It means to be alert and of a sound mind. It means clear thinking, okay? Clear thinking. And that's what we need to understand, that that's the command. Clear thinking of which anytime alcohol is introduced into the body, it is impossible. I don't care how, how little it is to be clear thinking. Um. The first part of your body that alcohol affects is the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is your center of judgment. That's why you're, it's, it's the center of inhibitions. That's one of the reasons uh, my dad used to say that a drunk man's words is a sober man's thoughts. That's what it does. It affects the frontal lobe. You can't think clearly with one drop of cough medicine. You're not going to think clearly, okay? Um. Second, you know, one of the other things that it affects is the antidiuretic hormone. It shuts it off. It turns your antidiuretic hormone off and you dehydrate yourself. A hangover is literally a near-death experience because your brain is dehydrated. And you feel like your brain has been beaten up. By the way, that's going to be in the Bible. We'll see you here in just a moment. So, no, as a Christian, guys, we're not to take anything. We are especially not to take anything in that is alcoholic, all right? We are to avoid it like the plague. Now, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, if there was one verse in all the Scripture that gives you God's opinion, okay, out of the book of wisdom, amen, <laughs> And you had to go by that one verse as to whether or not you should pick up an alcoholic beverage at the next Christmas social. That verse right there tells you, if you are partaking in alcohol, you are not wise. 
hands down. And I understand the culture we live in. I understand that it's, it's, it's part of society here. Yeah, abortion is part of society too. You want to go down that road for a little while? You know, there's a lot of things that's part of our society that are wicked and vile and devilish. Okay? So, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raisin, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. What about medication? What is the purpose? Because everyone loves to run to this verse here. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 6, Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Now, everybody likes to focus on that one, on that backside right there and say, Well, you know, when, when somebody's down, when they're depressed, and, you know, you know, give them a little bit of a drink, and that'll make them feel better. If you're depressed, why do you, are you going to give somebody a depressant? Okay? The, the, the context of that scripture is a painkiller. Uh, you know, it, it, alcohol is for a dead man, okay? That's, that's what it is. And uh, it, this verse is pertaining to what the things that we would use morphine and Demerol and things like that today. It is a painkiller in the final moments of one's life, much like you have in, in hospice today, how they make people comfortable. You didn't have those things uh, to a certain degree in the biblical times. And that's what that verse means. You want strong drink? Give it to somebody who's about to die to lessen their pain or their body, okay? Very, very simple. All right, so to, to kind of come back to the question and to, to address this thing just a little bit more, foods such as vinegar, fermented honey, garlic, cheese, etc., uh, they do not have elements which affect the mind or cause a person to not think clearly. Now, that doesn't mean, guys, if you... You know, you may be allergic to fermented things. You may be allergic to yeast. You know, we, Kelly and I were talking the other day. One of the things that kicks off gout, if you have, if you suffer from gout, is brewer's yeast, which is the byproduct, which is a product used in making beer, making lager, is the brewer's yeast. And, it, and alcohol will exacerbate gout. Um, it's the increase of your uric acid in your body, and it usually addresses your, your foot and whatnot and toe, or it could be in one of your joints, and, and that's what it does. But yeast is a, is a prime product, man, that will kick that thing off, and it'll, it'll have that effect on the body. Consequently, coffee is one of the things that will actually help alleviate it. Amen? See, you know, it's just godly. Coffee is just godly if you want to get right with the Lord, you know? Amen? Get rid of the alcohol. Get some, get some, some coffee in you. Um, but when it comes to fermentation, because um, you guys have probably heard me speak about fermented beverage and, and this and that. So I understand the question very clearly. And I, I think the question is, I think it's an astute question, to be honest with you, because this would be one of the arguments that those who want to justify drinking, you know, uh, would use. And uh, by the way, in the New Testament, guys, the only time wine is ever referred to as alcoholic is in 1 Timothy chapter 3 where the, the, the bishop is not to be given to wine, okay? The deacon not given to much wine. That word wine, when the, in 1 Timothy 3, that says not given to much wine is a word called oinus in the Greek. Oinus only means fruit juice. That's all it is. It's just gummies, okay? It, uh, gummies. I had gummies in my brain. I had a, uh, the, uh, what do you call them? The, uh, the, the wine gummies in my brain just now because... You know, they're not selling alcohol to children, are they, with the wine gummies? But they're called wine gummies. It just means fruit juice. But when you get down there to the bishop, speaking of the pastor, not given to wine, the word much is removed. The deacon is to be someone of, of um, uh, a balanced character because fruit juice was an indulgent. Most people drink water and ate bread for their dinner and lunch and, 
and this and that. When you had Jews, that was a special occasion, such as the wedding of Cana. Do you understand? Uh, you know, but when it says to the pastor, not given to wine, that's the only time in the New Testament the word shows up as paraoinus. All right? And that means something added to it. Oinus is the primary word, which is the fruit. Para means something has been added alongside, like a paragraph, okay? Something's alongside. What is that? That's the fermentation process. So when you go back to fermentation, and we begin to address this, this, uh, this question concerning food, are we to avoid that? Again, we're already saying that the, these, these foods don't have an effect on the mind, and therefore it isn't the fermentation process which is, uh, which is uh, evil. It's the purpose of the fermentation process that is evil. That's where you have to draw the line. And it is pure evil when it comes to alcohol. When the fermentation process is, is used to produce something uh, that will cause you to have a mind-altering effect, it is wrong because we are commanded to be sober-minded. You're taking something that is killing your body, that is destroying you. Uh, fermentation is rot is what it is. And how bad is it? Well, the same wisest person on the face of the planet, Proverbs 23, 31, says, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. When it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. What does that mean? What does it mean, moveth itself aright? That's the fermentation process. That is the degradation of the fruit inside of the juice, which is now being fermented, developing the alcohol within it, moving itself aright. It is rotting. No different than a steak that you put outside on a summer day and leave it there for a couple of days and it begins to move aright, doesn't it? Because it has maggots in it. All right? It's, rot it's breaking down. It's rotten. All right? You wouldn't take that steak and put it on the barbie and, and eat it after that, would you? No, you wouldn't do that. But people will pop a cork and they'll suck that poison down day in and day out. And it destroys their lives. It destroys their families. So the grapes, the figs, the fruit, you know, when it begins to rot, it changes color. It turns a darker uh, color, typically into red or purple or mulberry. Um, and it begins to move inside the container. Now here's what's unique about Proverbs 23. And I'm going to finish up with this and we'll get into the song and sermon here in just a moment. Proverbs 23 deals with life and conduct. That's the, that's the, the theme of the chapter. And it's instructions, technically, from a father to a son. It's warnings on how to live right, what to do, and what to avoid. And it's, it's, it's interesting enough when you continue to read on this topic of alcohol that he, when he opens up essentially saying, don't even be around it. And you shouldn't be around it. But it carries on, carrying on the effect of alcohol within life and within your conduct. In the next verses, in Proverbs 23, verses 32 through 35, speaking of the verse that it just said, speaking about the wine, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. That's your point right there of your inhibitions being removed. And thine heart shall utter perverse things. Again, back to inhibitions, your center of judgment being wiped off. Verse 34, yea, thou shalt be as, the, as, as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or he that lieth upon the top of a mast. What's that relating to? Anybody that's ever been drunk a day in their life, they know if they lay down in a bed, they get the what? The spins. 
That's what that's referring to. This father is given firsthand knowledge of what's, what's going to happen if you partake in this nasty habit. Verse 35 says, They have stricken me, shalt thou say. I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. You're numb from the alcohol, yet on the inside you're being beaten down because your body's broken down. When shall I awake is the question, but here we go. I will seek it yet again. There's the addictive qualities of it. So just in those handful of verses right there, guys, there's enough knowledge, there's enough wisdom, there's enough understanding to know that you should have nothing to do. I don't think anyone should have anything to do with alcohol, Christian or non-Christian. Bible, I didn't use the verse, but the Bible even tells us, woe unto him who giveth strong drink unto his neighbor. Well, I'm just going to give a bottle of wine, you know, for Christmas. Woe unto you. There's going to be judgment on you when you give those things away. You know, I, I, I would love no more than to see it banned and outlawed because it has done nothing but destroy families, destroy homes, destroy cities, destroy governments, destroy, you know, listen, it has set a flame the wickedness that is already in mankind. So, hope that answers the question. Very simple answer, very simple question tonight, guys. Let's go ahead and uh, stand.